Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study, which takes place every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time and Thursday morning, the same time, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, right here on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. It's all uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. So I would encourage you to go back. If you're just now getting in, go back at the beginning Avail yourself to this Romans teaching, uh, the Galatians teaching, and our worship services are on the YouTube channel and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. There you can uh, watch what's in the archives. You can donate. Uh, you can uh, watch live from uh, there. You can also uh, upload, or I should say download, uh, uh, the church app on your phone, Crossway Church app, and just avail yourself and help us do what God has called us to do here, uh, which is preach the gospel. And I know a lot of ministries, that's, that's what all ministries are called to do, but that's what we do. And we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the word portraying, revealing our Jesus to us because Jesus said the scriptures are about him. Praise God. That is good news to finally reach that point in life as a Christian to realize, come to the conclusion that the scriptures are about Jesus and as I see how they relate to him, then and only then can I see how they relate to me because I'm in him. Hallelujah. He didn't say the scriptures are about you. In John 5, 39, he said the scriptures testify of him. Praise God. He is the light of the word of God. He is the bread of the word of God. He is the way of the word of God. Jesus is everything to me. Praise God. I hope he is to you. This is the day where we will begin chapter 6. Oh, we're going to have a good time now over the next few weeks probably in chapter 6. So I pray you'd get your pencils and your paper. I keep mine handy right here. And, and I, you know, sometimes I stop while I'm preaching or teaching and write something down because I'm learning in this process as well. I'm studying to share, but I'm also learning as I share, not just when I study. So this is part 1 of Romans chapter 6. And this is the 11th day of February. Nice rainy day here in the wintertime of Queen City, Texas. Beautiful little uh, corner of Northeast Texas. They call it the Piney Woods of Northeast Texas. So uh, if you're anywhere near Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, uh, and you want to be a part of the Friday morning broadcast, the Bible study of Galatians, I encourage you to come over. It starts at 9 a.m. It's next door in the studio. And we have people that drive from Shreveport uh, from several different places. Sometimes we have eight or nine people. Sometimes we have one or two. And there has been times when I'm broadcasting all alone. Makes no difference to me. I'd love to see the room filled up, but I'm going to teach and broadcast it no matter who comes. There are people in our area that claim they love the message of the cross, but their church walls, won't. they hadn't figured out how to get out yet. So I'm praying for them and, and, and the days ahead they'll not worry about uh, being in the church. They'll just come to the Bible study, bring their coffee and their Bibles and paper and, and we can study together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well here we are in the book of Romans as I said and we will endeavor to dive into chapter 6 today. A wonderful chapter as we've seen up until this point especially in chapter 5 how uh, the Lord through the Apostle Paul 
was trying to reveal uh, what the free gift is, how the free gift came to us. And now as we move into chapter 6, he will begin to teach us how this free gift works. See, it's one thing to know you're saved. It's another thing to know how to live saved. I promise you, if you go today and stand in the front of a Walmart store or on your job and you only ask the Christians, how do you live for God? They will begin to tell you, well, I go to church. I do that. No, those are things that you do because you're living for God. How do you live for God? Those are things called the what to do. I'm asking you, how do you live for God? How do you find the power to go to church on days you don't want to go? Most of the church just don't go because they don't know how to go anyway. Uh, how do you give when you don't want to give, when you'd rather buy yourself a how? How do you turn the other cheek? How do you go the extra mile? How do you love those that hate you? How do you actually walk as a Christian? Not telling me what the Bible says to do. I'm asking you, do you know how to do the what to do? Because that's what we learn in chapter 6. I can promise you. Everything in this Bible before chapter 6 will culminate and be revealed clear to you in chapter 6 of Romans and even everything after that. Because Romans chapter 6 tells us how to live for God. This is going to be uh, probably the best part of this Romans Bible study. It has to be because for the Christian to finally learn how, not what to do, the Bible's full of the what to do's, but it's also full of how to do. It's not full of how, but in this chapter, it reveals how to do all the what to do's that we're called to do. And I hope you would stay with us. I hope you would pray and ask the Lord, show me this because I'm tired of, of, of knowing what I'm supposed to do but not finding the power to do these things. So this is going to be a very important Bible study. So my prayer is for you and for me that we would learn th through God's Word, by God's Spirit, not, not that we'd be open-minded, but that we'd be listening only for the Spirit of God bringing forth the truth, and the truth has to relate to Jesus and His finished, provisional, sacrificial work at Calvary. If it doesn't, it can't be uh, truth in its righteous context that, that allows me to believe from my heart under righteousness so that I can experience not only the initial status of righteousness as a child of God through my faith in Christ and His sacrifice, but daily be led by the Spirit in the path of righteousness to bring forth, bear forth the fruits of His righteousness. Praise God. And, and this sixth chapter is going to reveal this to us. going to teach you how to do what you've been claiming You've been trying, but just couldn't do it. Romans chapter 6 will deliver you from, I know I should have, but I didn't. I know I shouldn't have, but I did. Romans chapter 6 will deliver you as you believe from the heart what Romans 6 teaches about Christ 
and how the cross works for you today. 2,000 years later, not only did it save you to get you on the path to heaven, but that path is to be lived in victory by you, not with I know I shouldn't have, but I did, and I know I should, but I didn't. I'm talking about the path of thank God that I have finally learned now that through Christ I can do all things because he will strengthen me. Hallelujah. So grab your Bibles. Let's dig in and ask God to give us what we need desperately today. And I believe he's going to do it in the name of Jesus. Even open this this, this this word of God, this sixth chapter of Romans, up to us greater than ever before. Thank God for the truth of this chapter and what God's going to do in my life through even this teaching. So as before we dig into chapter 6, Let's make sure we back up to a couple of verses. As I like to say, uh, the, the, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written in letters. So the chapters and verses are only there to help us coordinate through and find certain things quicker. So let's back up a couple of verses. We'll start in chapter 5, verse 20, and roll right into uh, verse 1 of chapter 6 in Romans. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Remember, when God gave Moses the law, the people realized, now, I am a liar. That I am a coveter. I am an idolater. I, the, law, the law came in and revealed their sin in an abounding way. <coughs> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, that the law is the strength of sin. The law actually strengthens sin. It doesn't just paint a broader picture of who you are as a sinner and how guilty you are as a sinner, but it strengthens that sin when you try to live by it. God didn't give the law to save anybody. He gave the law, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, He gave the law to make men realize they need the Savior that was promised way back in the after the fall in the garden. They need this promised Redeemer. The law should reveal my sin. I am a sinner. I am the sinner of sinners, and I need a Savior. That's what the law came in also to do, to point to the one, uh, the need for the one who would come that would justify us from our sins through his sacrificial work. So think about that. But when... But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So think about that. And you know what we teach here? Grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary because God's grace is God at work. That's right. God's grace is God doing something you can't do yourself. But by faith in Christ and His sacrifice, you allow God to work on your behalf. The Spirit of God begins to work effectually in your life, but not without your faith in the cross. That began the work, and if you, as long as your faith stays there and there alone and you don't add these things men have written books about, then that work will continue. But when we move our faith from the cross, grace can't flow. We fall from grace. I didn't say when you commit a sin. I said when you move your faith from the cross to something you do, that's a law. Even Not the ten commandments, something you do. If you think you can have a move of God by painting or by doing anything, that's a law. It's you doing. Your faith in the cross is all God's looking for and requires for Him to pour grace into your life. And again, 
If we don't teach what that actually is, people will have all sorts of imaginations about something liquid or something cloudy pouring through their lives as grace. No, God's grace is God the Holy Ghost at work in your life doing something you can't do. You couldn't save yourself. He saved you, but only through your faith in what Christ did at Calvary. Saved by grace, what God did in Christ at Calvary through your faith. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says that grace teaches us. Well, who's teaching us? God the Holy Ghost. Based on our faith in the cross, we get the teaching of the Holy Ghost concerning God's Word, and He will reveal who? Jesus to us every day that we might grow in the knowledge of Jesus and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means what God does in and only through Christ and His sacrificial work, your faith in that gets you the grace of God. Let's say it again. Gets you God the Holy Ghost working in your life effectually. Verse 21, chapter 5, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. Grace only comes through our faith in the death of Jesus, Galatians 2, 21. Grace doesn't come into my life just because I'm saved. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, just flat out tell the church in Galatia, you can fall from grace. That means you can move yourself out from the place God works effectually in you. And it's when you move your faith from the sacrificial work of Christ to something you do. These three things that book's telling you if you will do, then God know. The Bible says if you'll believe in Christ and what He's done at Calvary, that's the avenue of grace. Grace doesn't come, righteousness doesn't come from the law. Paul said, I do not frustrate, that means deny or set aside, the grace of God, which means what God wants to do in my life and the avenue through which He does it. Listen, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, Christ died for nothing. In vain. That one verse in Galatians 2.21 tells us that righteousness comes only through grace and grace only comes through our faith in the death of Jesus. Read it and rejoice. It's good news to know this. To know that will cause you to come out of false teaching. It will cause you to come out and be separated from those. Yes, they are children of God. Yes, they are trying to love God, trying to live for God, but as long as they will not accept the truth of Christ and Him crucified as the only object of faith, they cannot live for God. Think about this, and you need to go back to my yesterday's message uh, that I preached called Sowing and Reaping. It was just part one. If my faith is not in the cross of Christ, I cannot even sow to the Spirit. I cannot sow to that which pleases the Spirit. Because if my faith is not in the cross, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm resisting the work of grace, the work of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. That's powerful. Any person that's born again, a child of God, who has moved their faith from the cross, even if it's in ignorance, they don't know they've done it, but they're trusting in the words they speak, or even if they're trusting in the money they're given, or if they're trusting in the purpose-driven, the government of 12, the, all these things that are out there, this, this new... Uh, 
anything other than the cross of Christ, if they move their faith from that, they have fallen from grace. I didn't say because they've sinned. Committing a sin doesn't remove you from grace. It makes you cry out to God for forgiveness and your faith in the cross gets you that forgiveness every day as mercies are brand new every day. It's when you move your faith from the sacrifice that you fall from the place God works. It's called grace. Think about that. It's simple. And you know, people say about us, you, you teach and you preach something that it, that's excluding almost all people, even in the church. And it's, we're not excluding, we're pointing to the only way they can be included, according to the Word, in the work of God. In the plan of God, in the will of God, to experience the Lord. It's always by grace through what God did, through your faith, that allows God to begin and continue a perfect work in you. Outside of that, it's just us functioning with a form. Yes, we may be saved, but we just have a form. Without the Lord, there can be no perfect work. And He's looking for a perfect work. We can't do a perfect work unless He's functioning in and through us for He is the one who is the one who works the work in a perfect way. Read Galatians chapter 3. He tells the church in Sardis, I've not found your works perfect before me. Well, we know we can't work a perfect work. That means He had been excluded from working in and through them. It only speaks of one thing. They've moved their faith from the sacrifice now to something else. He even tells them you have a name that you're alive. The whole region points to that church and says, man, that is a church that is alive. Look at that parking lot. Have you ever been in there? They're praising. Man, they, they're alive. But Jesus says, but you're dead. But you're dead. And he goes on to tell them, you better repent and remember how you used to hear and receive well, how did we hear and receive? Through faith and the sacrifice. Somebody's hearing me today. Somebody's hearing somebody more than me today. Somebody's hearing the Lord today. And I thank God for this teaching. It will bring you out of a life of misery as a Christian. For, listen, it's more miserable to be saved and to not know how to live for God when you truly want to please Him and live for Him. I'm not talking about just going through the church stuff, ritualistic rituals every week. I'm talking about people who want to please God. They want to live for God. I'm not talking about moments of emotionalism every once in a while when they hear a story. I'm talking about they want to live for God, please God. They want to learn how to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. They want to serve God all day, every day. This chapter of sixth chapter of Romans, this truth will deliver you from that complacent, slothful, ignorant place where you've been fallen from grace and you didn't even know it. And God can restore you back to the place where He actually functions in your life and works through you, working that perfect work, perfecting you and using you. God wants to do some things to you that will be for you. And if you will allow Him through your simple, exclusive faith in the cross, He will then and only then be able to do things through you for others. And that's what we're supposed to be here for. 
others, others minded, not just uh, others minded, praise God. So, that as sin has reigned, the last verse in chapter 5, unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. Grace is what God does, and what God does reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now think about this. When Jesus comes and reigns for a thousand years very soon on this earth, He's going to reign with a rod of righteousness. And all of us who've been saved by grace through faith are going to reign with Him because we're the only ones who are going to understand His reigning in righteousness. Grace only reigns in righteousness. And that is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. His humble, obedient act unto death, not anything before that, His humble, sinless life, humble, obedient act unto death, it's what got us in the kingdom. It's what made us righteousness. And today, after 40 years of being saved, it's what gives me the power to live a saved life, sanctified life, to please my Lord, to find His will for my life. Hallelujah. That's it. So, grace only reigns through righteousness. And grace and righteousness only come Every day, not just initially for your salvation. Grace and, and righteousness are only in my life today through my faith in what God did at Calvary. When my faith gets moved from that to something else, when I'm lied to and told that I must work out my own salvation without the truth of what that really means, Him working in me and through me, me just coming to the conclusion of that other verse that's right there tied to that, that it is God who's working in me, both to will and to, that's right, to do of His good pleasure. Unless my faith is in the sight, not was, is, and is in that alone. Unless my faith is in there alone, it's just me going through the motions. God says there will be another gospel, another Jesus preached of another spirit, and there would be much form, especially in the last days. There would be many, many places that will have a testimony that they are alive, but in the eyes of the Lord, they are dead. The only thing that makes us alive in the eyes of God is Him working in and through us and the testimony of Jesus being expressed which can only be done by grace through faith and that coming in through our, to our lives and through our lives from exclusive faith right now today. Now faith is the substance in Christ and what He did at Calvary. I've got a Bible. No one ever calls me and refutes the teaching because they can't scripturally. Now, a lot of people have said that's just not what we feel. That's not what we believe. And when people tell you, well, let me tell you how we feel about the matter. When they say that word feel, they mean believe. But they're believing something that's not scriptural. Not scriptural. So let's get into this sixth chapter. And... And Paul here writes to this church in Rome that he's never been to, by the way, but he's, he's, he, 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 until he can get there, he sends them a letter because he's trying to impart this. The most important thing for a Christian is how to live as a Christian. Not all the things we're supposed to do. We've got that. 
but how to do those things. Where to find the power to do those things. And if it's not faith in the cross, that's another Jesus. That's another gospel, which is really not a gospel, the Bible says, and it's of another spirit. Uh, I don't even want to get into that other spirit thing. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in sin? There's a problem going on there. He's heard about it. People are telling you, well, you might as well just continue in sin so that God's grace can keep abounding over, oh, more and more. No. No. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? And I want us to look at that word today and I want to bring out a couple things while we still have time about this word sin. And I've got some things written down here. I want you to take a note this morning. I want you to write these things down and look at them. Go back and let the Holy Spirit show you. Let Him teach you. In this sixth chapter, and I'm telling you this before we roll through it, it's going to take a while to get through it and we're going to really feast on this, on this chapter. But uh, before we get in, I want to pour it out a little bit to you, a few things, and then as we roll through it, we'll cover them. But in this sixth chapter alone, the word sin is there 16 times and 15 of those 16 times it's the word hamartia and it's the noun, the word sin in its noun form. Noun as we know since we were very young, a noun is a person, place or a thing. And here it has the definite article before it meaning the sin. And it's not talking about acts of sin. It's talking about the sin nature that you and I have. A sin nature that was developed in us through our disobedience to God and falling into a place of sin. Not only did we sin against God, but when we disobeyed Him, we became sin. The Bible says in Ephesians that we were the darkness of this world. And the darkness of this world, my friend, is sin. When we disobeyed God in the garden, and yes, I said we, we were all in Adam. When we disobeyed God in the garden, we became sin. That sin nature became who we were. Instead of being totally God conscious, we became totally self-absorbed with ourselves. All about ourselves, me, myself, and I. So 15 times in this one sixth chapter is the word hamartia in a noun form, meaning the sin nature. Only once is it used as a verb, and that's in chapter 15. And if we look at that, we'll, we'll go through this. What then shall we sin? It's a verb. Shall we commit acts of sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. We keep on committing sinful acts just because we're under grace. God forbid, let me say it to you this way, God forbids that His people live in sin. He forbids it. It's, it's forbidden for you and I to make excuse for sin. And if you're watching me and you've been making excuses for sin, blaming others for your sin, and that's huge in our lives until we learn the truth about the cross of Christ and how it's effective to us right now today, 100 years, 40 years, 40 days, 4 days after we've been born again, the cross has to be in my life today. Jesus said, any man that comes after me is going to have to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
Well, our cross is not our sickness, divorce, bankruptcy. Our cross is only one. It's the cross Jesus bare for us, dying for us, and we were crucified with him. One. I better know what my cross is when all these sickness, diseases, bankrupt, all these horrible things come to my house and knock on my window. I better know what taking up my cross means. I have a series on that seven or eight CD set. You can get, go to the website, The Crossway Church, donate that $25, tell us what you want, make sure your address is on there, we'll mail it to you. But you need to understand what's being taught about this sixth chapter. If you don't understand, and this is powerful, it's, 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 it's blunt, but it's real. It's reality. If you don't understand chapter six, you have never been discipled. Now, I've heard Brother Larson, Brother Cornell, the other ministers, Brother Swaggart uh, in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and if you don't like them, well, that's your problem because they're the ones who have spearheaded this entire teaching about Romans 6 that God is using in our day just like, not just like, but when God revealed as revelation to the Apostle Paul how to live for God, the illumination has taken place in about 20 years ago through Brother Swaggart, and, and now we're learning through the teaching of Brother Swaggart, God is illuminating His Word by His Spirit. You can't get anything from a man, but, but you'd like to think God uses you, don't you? Don't, don't you think God wants to use you? Don't you want God to use you? Well, why do we get offended when God uses other people? That's a big question. And God is using Brother Swaggart in that ministry in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a family worship center, and has been for many years. But over the last over 20 years, God's been using that ministry to reach for His wandering church to bring them back to faith and grace where God could function, work in their lives. Because God's grace is God at work. And if our faith is not in the cross, we're not functioning in grace and faith. Think about that. And I appreciate the, I don't care where it comes from. Somebody help me learn how to live for God. So don't let other people push you away from where you can learn, whether it be this ministry or Brother Swaggart or whatever church is out there preaching the truth, God's Word and truth. That means as it pertains to Christ and what He did at Calvary, don't let somebody come along and say, oh, you're not listening to them, are you? That's the devil. That's the devil, unless they can give you scriptural truth as to why you shouldn't be. But anything personal, you better run from them because that's the devil trying to get you out of the place where you can hear somebody teach you. Let me say something at the end of this broadcast today. If you won't listen to a messenger of the cross, you're really not hearing the Holy Spirit teach you what Paul, what he gave Paul to write. And you wouldn't have believed Paul in that day. You wouldn't have walked with Paul in that day. And it's questionable where you would have walked with Jesus. It's very questionable if you won't accept truth no matter who it's coming through for the sake of a person. Listen, these people that are preaching truth today, I'm talking about the message of the cross, they may be the only people you ever get to hear. So you better accept truth when it comes to your door and knocks on your door. Shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, living in according to the sin nature? 
that grace may abound. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin, here it is, hamartia, that noun, how shall, don't, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to the sin nature. The sin nature was made dormant. Dormant. Just like the devil, he was destroyed. Doesn't mean he disappeared. He still goes around roaring as a lion. The sin nature is still in you, but it becomes dormant. Just like the devil had the, uh, the power of death stripped away from him. When Jesus died, Hebrews 2 and 14, the sin nature went dormant based on your faith in what defeated and crucified that old thing. But when we move our faith from the cross to something else, the sin nature revives and begins to cause us to live according to the flesh again. That sin nature rules like a king and we can't figure out why we can't get out of this thing that's got a hold of us. We didn't get very far today. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but my Lord, I enjoyed what we did get out. And I encourage you to tune in live every Monday morning, Thursday morning, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And go, if you missed this, go and watch the archives on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, or the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Don't forget to pray for us. So financially into this work, we're reaching all around the world. And until next time we meet, remember, be determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.